tells me in Romans 1.16 that the gospel is for everybody. Listen to me. That the gospel is for everyone. But also know that everybody's not saved. That's something that happens in the heart. Where you do business with God one-on-one. And the Holy Spirit of God convicts you of your sin. You recognize your need for God. You confess to Him, Lord, I'm a sinner. And you repent and turn to God. Turn away from the old life. And you follow Jesus. This morning, we are going to come to the Lord's Supper or communion. Now, maybe you have walked in and my statement just caught you off guard and you're thinking, I don't have it. I want you to raise your hand right now. We've got some guys that are going to give it to you, okay? Where are my men? Okay. Uh, thank you, Joe. Just keep your hand up. Those that are watching, uh, you can prepare at home to join us. And uh, I'm going to take care of you. All right? Just keep your hand up for a second. And with the other hand, I want you to turn to 1 Peter chapter 4. 1 Peter chapter 4. A few of you guys pop up when Bill walks in and help him get these passed out quickly. Amen. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you for the opportunity that we have this morning. Thank you for the privilege that we have to open the Word of God one more time, knowing that it's the truth, recognizing that it's inspired. And God, I pray that as Peter wrote then, that this morning the Word of God would be alive and fresh to our souls as we contemplate and as we look at the Lord's table this morning. Thank you for who you are. Thank you for what you've done already today. So God, we're asking you to do it one more time. In Jesus' name I pray. We're going to look at, uh, to begin the message, with the first seven verses. Anybody else? Just put your hand up. Don't be, don't be ashamed. Just put your hand up. All right. Thank you. Good. Thank you, guys. We're going to look at the first seven verses. The title of the message as we consider the Lord's table today is for God's glory. Can you live your life for the glory of God? Are you willing to live your life for the glory of God? And I would dare say, if you're not willing to live your life for Jesus, you may not even be saved. Because when he does an inside-out work in your heart, you can't help but want to live for Christ. And you can't hide it. Listen, you can't hide it behind being Baptist. You can't hide it behind being a church member. It all comes down to an individual decision to trust God and to take Him at His word and to receive Jesus as Lord and Savior. First Peter, chapter 4, and I'll read the first seven verses. Therefore, that, that is a common recurring thing from Peter. He always wants you to look back. Okay? Uh, what, what's he wants you to look back at? I believe verse 8 in chapter 3. Finally, all of you be of one mind, having compassion for one another. Love as brothers. Be tenderhearted. Be courteous. I believe that's one thing. Uh, I believe that might be something you could jump back even one more chapter. Uh, to chapter 2, verse 7. Therefore, to you who believe, he is precious. He is precious. I believe you can all go all the way back to chapter 1. 
and even look at verse 13. Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind and be sober and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. I believe when Peter says therefore, he's always got something for us to look at. Therefore, since Christ suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves also with the same mind, for he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. If you want to have the mind of Christ, the first thing we have to do as believers is recognize that suffering is going to be part of it. And man, I look at some of you that are sitting here today that have been through it or are going through it. If your story is way better than mine, but I'm telling you, it's coming. It's coming. And some of you are sitting here today and except by the grace of God would you be here today because you would have quit a long time ago. But you recognize in your weakness that God is faithful. Anybody want to say amen? That God has been the one to carry. He says, as Christ suffered for us in the flesh, this is the picture of the communion table. This is a picture of the Lord's Supper. The bread represents the body. The juice represents the blood. It's a picture of the suffering of God on your behalf and my behalf, paying a debt for us we owe ourselves. Hanging on the cross that we should have died on. He says, as Christ suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves with the same mind. For he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. Verse 2. That he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh for the lust of men, but for the will of God. And folks, this is the battle. This is the battle that's raging. Anybody will say amen? It's the old life and the spirit life. It's following my old life in its own lust, or it's living for Jesus and following him with a surrendered heart. For we've spent enough of our past, verse 3, enough of our past lifetime in doing the will of the Gentiles. When we walked in lewdness, lust, drunkenness, revelries, drinking parties, abominable idolatries. In regard to these, they think it's strange that you do not run with them in the same flood of dissipation, speaking evil of you. Peter's saying, the lost world will think you're crazy because you don't run with them or do the same thing they do or find your fulfillment in what the old life never came through with. Folks, I'm telling you, people are looking for something in the world in which you live. People are looking for something. People are trying to find contentment. There's got to be more to life, doesn't there, than getting up tomorrow morning, going to work if you're still working or retired, going through the same motions for one more week, and getting through a weekend and doing it again next Monday morning. There has to be more to life than that. And Peter is saying, man, I, I, I've wasted some time. I remember wasting some time in life. One preacher said, if Jesus is the way to heaven, why are we wasting our time looking at other things? Who's the one we can Verse 4. Let me read that again. In regards to these, they think it's strange. If you do not run with them in the same flood of dissipation, speaking evil of you, they will give an account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. And for this reason, the gospel was preached also to those who were dead that they might be judged according to men in the flesh, but alive 
or live, but live according to God in the what? So there's a battle going on this morning. Spiritual battle. It's a battle of being obedient to God and heeding the voice of the Holy Spirit, and it's a battle of flesh. It's the battle that the devil knows that oftentimes he can get us to trip on. The old way, the old things. Uh, it's the battle uh, that we have when we worship where uh, the devil's active in this worship service trying to steal your attention. Try to get you not to focus. Last Sunday morning, we worshiped with you from the Smoky Mountains in this service. I was proud of our church. Do you all see why I love Jeremy Westbrook as our new state convention detective director? But I also realized something from uh, a place in the Smoky Mountains. As wonderful as the tool is that we have to view worship service, it's nothing like it is being here. And you say, what are you trying to say, Brother Greg? There's just something about physical worship with other brothers and sisters. Now, I'm going to tell you something. Uh, YouTube wasn't created in worship life to keep people from going to church. It was, I believe God's using it to help people who can't come to church. Those that can't come. Not those who say, I'm just not going. I'm saying those that are unable to come to worship. It, what a great tool it is. We all agree with that. But I'm telling you, Tim, there is something about it when we come together, when we, we lift our voices together, when we praise God together, and we recognize that He's in control, the Holy Spirit's moving, and we're in this thing together. I don't say that to be critical of people watching. We tuned in last week. What a great opportunity to do that. I'm telling you that there's something about coming together and talking about suffering as a believer. Peter said, get ready for it. Because Jesus suffered for you, and he did that on Calvary's cross so that you and I may glorify him. Everybody in here has a purpose. Everybody. And let me tell you this. If I'm not dead, God has a plan still for me. And I appreciate the 1030 service singing happy birthday. Boy, what is Tim? Thank you for leading our church in such a spiritual moment. Thank you for doing that. I saw it. I heard it. And I appreciate that. And, and this week was the biggie. It was 60. And Renee and I rolled a uh, rode a roller coaster this week. And folks, I am not exaggerating. Uh, Levi, I'm not, I'm not embellishing this one minute. I was crying out to the Lord for mercy. Thinking, how's this thing stay on this rail? Get us home. Get us off of this. And, uh, and I realized that God must still have a plan because I lived through that. Listen to me. If you're alive this morning, oh, God is keeping if the Bible says it's appointed and the man wants to die, we all have an appointment. And I believe the best place to be when it comes to living for the Lord is in the will of God. In the will of God, because if you're in the will of God, you're not only going to be happy, God will protect you until he's going to tell you You say, Brother Greg, you mean, you really believe that? Yeah, you believe if I were to run out in front of a truck from 127 that God would miraculously save me? No, he'd probably let you get smacked by the by uh, the law of motion and the bad decision. The folks I'm telling you, the will of God's best for the glory. Now, I want to ask you a question this morning: What happens to a person when they get saved? 
Why am I asking you that? Because the word suffer, listen to me, is for pain. Someone who places their faith in Jesus Christ is Lord of As someone who believes that Jesus died on the cross for you, and that you've invited him into your heart, that you're no longer your master, that you're a bondservant of Jesus, that you've placed your faith in his death, burial, and resurrection. That's what a Christian is. It's not somebody that's on the church roll here in Camden. It's not somebody who's been to church all their life or had great-grandparents and parents who loved Jesus and were so faithful back when they lived at church. Those are all wonderful things. But a Christian is someone who's experienced it first. And that's what the Lord's table is about today. In a few minutes, I'll give you instructions. And you might be sitting here and you're saying, the Lord's table, and you're saying, this is for Christians. I'm not sure I am a Then if you've not given your life to Christ, I say that to be mean. I say that to be physical. Now listen to me carefully. I believe God can do more in the life of somebody who is honest than he can to some Christian that's got a spiritual makeup all over them that just looks good on Sunday that lives like the devil Monday through Saturday. Are you with me? He says, get ready. If you're going to do this for God's glory, you've got to recognize that when you get saved, something Something happens. What happens? Well, first of all, according to Peter, you go a different direction. You're no longer chasing the lust of the flesh, but you're desiring to do the will of God. Peter also says in this passage that there's a definite desire to do the will of God. You desire to do it. You don't have to be dragged and you don't have to be pulled. I don't I don't know. I don't know about you this morning, but Maybe you're here and, and you really didn't want to come because you didn't have a desire. Now listen, don't use the I've been hurt in church argument this morning. If that were the case, I would have left 28 years ago. We all will be wounded from time to time. Anybody want to say amen? Just because you're wounded don't mean you have to quit. Here's a good story. Paul on the island of Malta. Shipwreck. Remember what happened? He gets there, and he gets bit by a snake. Anybody remember the story? They thought that he would swell up and die, but he didn't. He shakes the snake off. He shakes the snake off. And, and that remind, that, that's, that, that's good for me to know this story. Just because you get bit doesn't mean you have to die. He continued to preach for the glory of God. Now, now folks, listen. You say, well, Brother Greg, you then went down there and rode a roller coaster and you don't, you don't have feelings anymore. Folks, listen to me. As long as we're in the flesh, we will be wounded or we will wound each other from time to time. It's the old nature. It's the old nature. Recently, I was asked a question, Brother Greg, we will remember in heaven. Bible says we'll know if we're known, so we have to know something. But what about the hurt and the pain? The Bible I read in Revelation says there will be no sorrow or pain in heaven. So I'm just going to let the Lord handle that. Amen? 
and I'm going to trust him and, and strive to live a life for his glory. There's a different direction, there's a definite desire, and there's a direct recognition. Listen to what Peter says. Verse 3. For we have spent enough of our past lifetime in doing the will of the Gentiles. And then he goes ahead and lists them. I believe Peter's saying, I've spent enough time wasting it. I've spent enough time chasing the wrong thing. You know, you hear country songs, uh, and, and most of the time they, they tell some kind of story, right? And a lot of people say it's a heartache story. Uh, Renee and I down this week, I heard one, my new favorite Christmas song uh, while we were down at Dollywood. And it's called, I Love Those Christmas Cookies Sugar. I'm going to sing that to Renee all the way to Christmas. Amen? Listen, he's talking about, you know what? Listen. I've chased everything the world has to offer. I've made the big, big money, and I thought when I would get to the point of making big money, I'd have everything the world had to offer. Anybody want to say amen? Now all of us saying amen, we don't make big money, but we know that the fact is we cannot do what only God can. And there's that void, and people are looking, and people are searching. When you get saved, something happens. So as we come to the Lord's table, here's what we're saying. I've been saved. Jesus has changed my life. Number two. Peter helps us understand that there will always be godless living in every generation. But according to Peter, he says, you've got to stand. You've got to stand. And folks, we're living in a day and an age where culture is just pushing things in your face that are so, uh, so anti-scripture. Now, here's where I need help. Here's where I need help. Of not being judgmental about somebody who doesn't see things exactly the way I see them. Anybody want to say amen? I, I do. I fall into legal, legalism role every now and then. But that does not change the fact Scripture is either right or it's not. We either believe the Word of God about marriage and what it looks like, or we don't. Anybody want to say amen? We live in a culture that wants to throw every view of liberality and put margins on Scripture and say, and this to it. How many of you remember having an old preacher that would say things like this? Thus saith the Lord. And I believe the church, us, we've gotten to the point where we're not quite sure of the Bible. And I'm telling you this morning, if the Bible is not truth, if it's not the Word of God, I'm wasting my time. And I believe that the author of this book created me for his glory. Sin separated me. Jesus died for me so I could have a relationship with a perfect God again. And heaven one day will be my home. Not because I'm a preacher or not because I think I'm better than any of you or you're better than, than anybody else. But because of Jesus. That's why he created us. For his and Peter's saying, I've spent a lifetime, it seems, of walking in lewdness and drunkenness and all that stuff. 
you know what? They think it's strange that I don't run with them after things that will disappear. They think it's strange. All I can say this morning is these things are trust. There's nothing wrong with doing what God wants you to do. The Bible says in verse 5, they will give an account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. You know, Scripture says that judgment is without mercy. When the Lord Jesus judges, he will be perfectly, 100% accurate. You don't miss a thing. You know there's never been anything that's come out of your mouth that God's not aware of. There's never been a thought in your mind that God's not aware of. There's never been an intent in your heart that God is not aware of. That's the God we're talking about. You see, judgment for salvation is settled. The cross, his blood, his body, payment for my hell-bound life. And when we come to the Lord's table, here's what we're proclaiming, that he did this for me, and I'm to live for him for his The Lord's table is you and me declaring When he saves us and when he changes our life, it affects everything about us. Look at uh, verse 8. And above all things, have fervent love for one another, for love will cover a multitude of sins. Be hospitable to one another without grumbling. And as each one has received a gift, minister to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. And according to the Corinthians, Spiritual gifts are, are to be used to glorify God and to edify the body of Christ. Edify means to build up the body of Christ. It's never to be, hey, look at me and what a great talent I am. Look, look, look at what a great speaker I am. Or, or look how somebody can handle a microphone or play an instrument. All of that stuff is to be used for the glory of God. And he gives us a life to do that. Now, verse 12 he says, don't think it's strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you as though some strange thing, strange thing happens to you. I guess it would be something like this. Instead of me saying why when something happens to the demon of life. Cousin, my age, who was diagnosed with pancreatic stage four cancer. Starting to use the other organs. Who are you going to trust when the bottom of life falls on Who are you going to trust? Peter is telling us. Brothers and sisters, don't think it's strange to say when you go through the time, but count it all the way and give God the glory. Listen to Don't be ashamed of suffering. That's what 12, 13, 14 talk about. Verse 13. But rejoice to the extent you partake of Christ's suffering, that when his glory is revealed, 
you may also be glad with exceeding joy. And if you're reproached for the name of Christ, blessed are you, for the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. On their part, he's blasphemed, but on your part, he glorifies. He glorifies. I, I, I really believe that oftentimes when we go through trials, we, we use that, and, and somehow we use that to, to get pushed away from God. But I believe God can use trials to draw you closer. Listen, don't, don't run from God, but run to Him. But run to Him. Don't be ashamed for suffering for Christ. Peter says you can testify to the glory of God. But make sure your suffering, listen, doesn't come from your actions. Verse 15, but let none of you suffer as a murderer, a thief, an evildoer. Oh, listen to this one. Or as a busybody in other people's matters. Woo. Have, you ever, have you ever wanted to tell somebody, mind your own business? I don't have to tell it. Listen, let's just, let's just lay this one out there. I don't have to tell anybody when I'm going on vacation, but the deacons, they know I'm going. But don't you think you need to come by my house to find out where I'm at? I didn't have to tell you where I was going, just as you don't have to tell me when you're gone. Anybody, somebody say amen. All right, now we're getting somewhere, okay? I really believe that sometimes some of our problems are we, we, we worry too much about everybody else's life than we do our own. Peter's talking directly about that. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in his, his matter. So if your suffering is in Christ, glorify God with it. Just make sure you, you're not creating your own suffering by the decisions you make. And, and we'll, we'll wrap it up here. For the time has come for judgment to begin, verse 17, at the house of God. The Lord's table is about dealing with sin. What are you saying, Brother Greg? What are you saying? I'm saying we don't take prayer seriously anymore. What do you mean? I'm telling you we don't take prayer seriously anymore. We have a business meeting as a church. And we, we, we try to get a, a forum here so that we can make some decisions. We announced that there is a prayer meeting. We have the same 12 people. Faithful for their prayer life. But I believe God requires more of a church than that. Next Sunday afternoon, from 4.30 to 7.30, we're having what we call a prayer boot camp. You say, Brother Greg, that's three hours. That's exactly how long that is. Steve Hopkins from the state convention is going to be here, and he's going to lead us to help us re-recognize the importance of prayer in the body of Christ. And I hope we have a good crowd for that. Why? Because we need it. We need it. And Peter says, time has come for judgment, and it's going to begin in the house of of God. And if it begins with us first, what will be the end of those who do not obey the gospel? Now, if the righteous one is scarcely saved, 
Where will the ungodly and sinner appear? Therefore, let us, let those who suffer according to the will of God, commit their souls to him in doing good. So when we come to the Lord's table, it's not about being good enough. It's about being forgiven. It's about being forgiven. Judgment begins at the house of God, individually and corporately. Corporately. Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 that the church was missing the mark when it came to the Lord's table. They were treating it like a normal meal. He said, let every man, let every woman examine themselves. Number four, the world is watching. The world's watching. You know, the Southern Baptist Convention's been going through some difficult days. The world is watching. People are watching you at work. They're looking at this church and this community. People are watching their life. They're wondering if what you have is what you think they should have. What difference is this God making in your life? In your life. And lastly, if you suffer, may it be for the glory of God. That's what Peter is reminding us of in one chapter. Live your life for the glory of God. So we come to the table. You have your cup. You have your bread. Maybe you're here this morning and you say, well, Brother Greg, you've already said that this is for the Christian. It is. But maybe no one's ever shared with you clearly or simply how you can become one. I want you to bow your heads. So the Bible says, let every man, let every woman examine themselves. If you're here and there's not assurance in your heart that you're saved, that you want to be, that you want to be, you can ask God to forgive you of your sin right now. How do I do that, Brother Greg? In the quietness of your heart. Dear God, I realize I'm a sinner. And I need to be forgiven. I need to be saved. And I recognize you died on the cross for me. You took my place. And right now, I place my faith in you to change my life and to save me. Help me to live for you. In Jesus' name I pray. With every head bowed, every eye closed. If you prayed that and you meant it, I want you to slip your hand up right now and just say, Pastor, I just prayed that and I meant it with all my heart. I meant it with all my heart. Out there. Out there. Father, thank you for these. And we thank you, Lord, that as we come to this time, we recognize that communion is about the relationship between the believer. Just as Paul said, many have come in an unworthy manner. May we confess any known sin in our life right now. Just call it out to God. You say, Greg, I thought God knew everything. He already knows what's going on in my life. He does. But he gives you and me an opportunity to confess it and to turn from it. So, Lord, we thank you. Thank you for loving us. We thank you for the privilege that we have before us.
In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I want you to take your cup, if you will. And there are, there are two seals on it, so there's a very thin seal on the top. Go ahead and get your wafer ready. Okay, just push around on the heart. Okay, go ahead and take it. The Bible says in Luke chapter 22, when the hour had come, he sat down and the 12 apostles with him. He said to them, with fervent desire, I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. In the gospel, three times Jesus said, I'm going to Calvary. This is what's going to happen. I will die and I will suffer for you. For I say to you, I will no longer eat of it until it's fulfilled in the kingdom of God. He took the cup and he gave thanks and said, take and divide it among yourselves. For I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. The Bible says he took the bread and he gave thanks. So, Lord, we have a symbol of your love, of your body, of your sacrifice for our sins. Help me to never be an ungrateful Christian. Help us to live for your glory. In Jesus' name I pray. He took the bread, he gave thanks, and he broke it and gave to them. Said, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Go ahead and prepare your cup. So he took the cup. Symbol of the perfect sacrifice the Lamb of God. So this cup is the new covenant in my blood which is shed for you. So Lord, we thank you for the cup. We thank you for your blood. Not of goats and animals, but the precious Lamb of God. So you died on the cross. It was a real cross. But you hung on with your body and it was your perfect blood that spilled for the forgiveness of our sins. As the body of Christ, we thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. I'll take the cup. Let's all stand together. If you made a decision in this service and would like to talk to someone, I'll be right here for you at the end of it. One of the gospels say they, they sang a hymn. On a hill far away stood an old rugged cross. That, that, that gospel doesn't say that's the hymn they sung. That's the one we're going to sing, okay? Here we go, on a hill. On a hill far away. Sing it out. I love that old cross. And I love that old cross. Where the dearest stand for a world, for a world of lost sinners. Was 
the day I exchange it, until then, I'll do my best to live for the glory of God. Amen? I need to take care of this one little housekeeping item. It's the uh, state convention is this Tuesday in Pickerington, I think. And uh, we have to approve messengers. Uh, Roy Howe is going with me, so us two are going. Is there anybody in this crowd that's planning on going to Pickerington? this Tuesday. Okay, well, Joe Kramer serves on our mission council for the state convention, and he and Sharon are going to be there. They can be messengers for us as well. Uh, if you're in agreement for us four representing you as a church at the state convention, say aye. Any opposed? Or you can come tell me face-to-face after the service, okay? But that's okay. So we'll do our best to represent you well. It's an important meeting. And uh, to God be the glory, okay? Hey, let this be the benediction. Find somebody you haven't spoken to yet. Give them a good hello. It's still snowing. Looks like the roads are clear, so we're okay, all right? God bless you. A couple things, folks. A couple things. Shoeboxes next Sunday, okay? Next Sunday, shoeboxes. And from my view of the Thanksgiving Day meal, Joetta's going to go to the easel. Let's fill that thing up with this service right now. Let's, let's don't say, hey, 8, 8.30, you do it. Hey, let me tell them next week, 10.45, just, got, just about got everything covered. Go see Joetta. You be part of helping us provide a Thanksgiving Day meal. Listen, maybe for some of you, but for our community, or maybe some folks that will be alone. Okay, it's going to be a great ministry. It seemed like there was one more thing, right? Like there were three things. Yeah. Um, Camden is going to have Christmas in the village. They're going to have a tree lighting the Saturday night after Thanksgiving. Now, this is going to blow your mind. The first Sunday after Thanksgiving, folks, is Advent. The first Sunday of Advent. So uh, keep that in mind. Uh, Wendy... um, or Bev Garrett, somebody may get a hold of you. They're going to have a live nativity. Um, they've asked us to help with that. We just found out this morning. Uh, there's going to be caroling, so we're going to be singing, and then they'll have the Hallmark Moment Christmas tree lighting. Boom. So uh, it, it's coming, okay? Uh, that, that one airs tonight at 9 o'clock if you want to watch it. But uh, God bless you, Joe. I'm not sure exactly where my mind is lately, Joe, but anyway, so if you didn't, uh, I was meeting with the choir at 1030 this morning to see how many were interested in the choir getting together and singing a couple Sundays um, in December. So if you didn't make it to the 1030 meeting or you didn't know about the 1030 meeting because Marsha forgot to text everyone, so if you weren't at the 830, you didn't know about it. 
So if you're in choir, come see me and let me know if you're interested or would be willing to sing um, with the choir a couple Sundays in December. Thank you. All right. I, b I believe that's it. I know that's a lot. Your cups. Do you have your cups? You can help us uh, clean a little bit. Just take it with you on the way out. You'll see a trash can right at the table as you exit. God bless you. Have a good day. Make sure you find somebody you haven't spoke to yet, okay? Look for them. <laughs>